Instagram is 10 years old. We're going to run through how it has changed our life. Also, Instagram is adding shopping support to IGTV and has planned to release it soon to its real future. YouTube is planning or aiming to uh, becoming an online shopping destination for its user and a new video streaming competitor is launching in Spain. Plus, we are going to discuss how the holiday season 2020 has changed due to COVID. All of these and more in the second episode of Not Your Marketer Podcast. Stick around. marketer Alberto Lempira, aka Lempi. Welcome to the second episode of the Nothing Marketer podcast. First of all, I wanted to uh, thank you for the overwhelming support on the first episode. I have received uh, many, many feedback and comments about uh, about the first episode, the content and the podcast. Uh, I'm happy that you have liked it uh, and I'm working on making it uh, better in each episode. So thank again for, for joining. So today we have a lot to talk about, and without any further ado, uh, let's jump into the headlines. So Instagram turns 10 years old, okay? So this week, on October 6th, uh, Instagram turned uh, 10 years old. Uh, it was originally launched by Kevin Seistrom and Mike uh, Krieger. Uh, this app was... Thought, I mean, originally it was launched as a location sharing app. I don't know if you remember Foursquare, uh, but one of the things, I mean, one of the additional features aside from sharing the your location was that you could add a picture just to make a little bit more sense of, I mean, where are you, where are you right now, and and so forth. So after some feedback, uh, they relaunched the app uh, because the best performing or the thing that users love the most was uh, the ability to, ch to share some pictures, okay? So they relaunched it. Uh, it was an exclusive, iPhone exclusive app uh, right until 2012. Uh, and it was, I mean, very successful. Uh, then it was acquired by Facebook. And they, I mean, they launched a, right, right, after, right before being acquired by Facebook, they launched a, an Android app. Uh, so let's go through some of the milestones of this decade of Instagram and how it has changed. I mean, there are many, I mean, competitors like or, or, or players like Amazon or Facebook that have changed how we use the internet and have, have redefined uh, how users interact with content and how they interact with other users. Instagram is one of those. So let's just run through some milestones of uh, Instagram. So first off, they were launched, as I mentioned, on October 2010, uh, and they hit the 1 million users milestone on December that same year, which is huge. I, I don't know how many of you have been involved in launching a new app, but this is a, I mean, this is a huge milestone. And if you think about 2010, uh, the mar the app's market was still uh, in its earliest uh, years. It was more, way more difficult to get apps installed into the user's uh, cell phones or smartphones. Okay, so uh, on January 2011, they added the hashtag features. So this was one of the first steps into 
bringing and making hashtags something that is no longer uh, exclusive to one platform. In the in, in that case, I don't know Twitter, for example, uh, which obviously was one of the first to uh, leveraging on the power of hashtags with trending topics and so forth. But it be, it helped it to became a part of the pop culture of of the new generations. On April 3rd, 2011, the Android app was launched and uh, it got over 1 million downloads the same day it was launched. So again, this, I mean, this, this is just a, an example of how making your product or service cares can help you whenever you open the doors or the gates into a new flow of, uh, or a new market or a new flow of users, okay, that are willing to use it. Uh, on April uh, 9th, the same year, 2011, uh, Facebook acquired Instagram for $1 billion US dollars. Uh, and it has become one of the best plays of the blue giant because it secured its future as people and users, especially younger generations, were getting out of uh, Facebook, okay? Uh, obviously, after that, uh, the, 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 the strategy behind Instagram has changed. As a matter of fact, in December 2012, they updated the terms and conditions. So Instagram started to own your uh, photos uh, and they could sell it to third parties without any compensation or even notifying the user. So everybody was talking, and, and I remember back in the day, Everybody was afraid of uh, a, a royalty-free kind of service or business that they were leveraging on that. But Facebook had very different plans on, on, on that. Obviously, they were thinking and aiming into uh, the advertisement uh, platform they were, they were going to launch after, after a few years. So in June 2013, they added the support for sharing videos. So this opened a new possibility uh, for users to uh, engage with, well, a different kind of uh, of content. On uh, November 2013, they launched uh, ads, sponsored ads, uh, just in the U.S., but this was at the moment uh, a great opportunity for advertisers to target a very specific crowd in a very novel uh, platform. And by the day, they had only roughly 170 million users, which is a lot. But if you think about uh, how many of those are, were inside the US, uh, it, maybe it was not so much. And if you compare that with what Facebook had already, uh, obviously it was, I mean, it was like a baby. The, obviously, uh, Facebook knew we're going to be growing. And I, I don't know if they had that in plan, but it became one of the key instruments of their advertisement um, business. So after that, on December 2013, the same year, they launched the Instagram Direct, which was the messaging platform inside uh, Instagram. This week, they, they, they announced that they were launching, they were merging uh, Facebook Messenger and Instagram Messenger. Uh, obviously, Facebook is going to be, uh, WhatsApp is going to be uh, following uh, because they own the three of them. Uh, what they want to have is or give the user a seamless experience throughout these three platforms. After that, uh, on August 2014, 
they became more business friendly, launching business accounts they, that allowed companies and brands to have access to metrics and more insights and more details about how the users were engaging with their content, which was the setting stone for what have become one of the key instruments for business, I mean, large and small, uh, into engaging and identifying what kind of content and what kind of strategy is working for them. After that, in June 2015, they uh, improve the uh, the Instagram ads experience, adding call to actions. So now you could add uh, install now, uh, install app, shop now, view more, book, whatever uh, call to action that it was related to the product you were advertising. So this was again uh, just keep they they were keep they were improving. Uh, an already successful experiment, which was Instagram ads, into making it more appealing for advertisers to come over and to improve also the conversion rate of those ads served to Instagram users. After that, in the in 2015, I mean that marks the year where Instagram ads went global. So they became available uh, across the, the, the world. On November the same year, 2015, the switching between multiple accounts became uh, a new feature in the, in the Instagram ads. This was very useful, especially for community managers and people that were in, were in charge of uh, brands' accounts. And this is the point where Facebook figured out that they had a lot of personal users that were also using uh, their platform to promote or to engage with customers of their personal brand, of their own brands, or they're ju- were just managing uh, companies' brands. Okay, so again, this was huge for for us marketers, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, so March 2016. Uh, marked a very uh, contra- controversy uh, moment for uh, for Facebook, for Instagram, in that, for that matter, because chronological feed were no longer available. So they relied in an algorithm feed that makes some, I mean, it made some news because you could see a post from one of your the friend uh, one of your friends from three years ago, three days ago, four days ago, uh, because it was no longer chronological. Okay, so the thing here is that if you saw, if you were like me and you saw a post of someone celebrating their birthday, and you commented on it, hey, happy birthday, uh, have a great day, whatever. And then you figured out and you saw the date and you saw that it was posted three days ago. Uh, obviously, Instagram was not reliable for people who tend to forget uh, birthday from friends and family. But, but nevertheless, especially when we're, things were happening at the moment, happening at the moment, uh, a lot of accounts were starting to use it, use Instagram to share uh, news. Uh, this became problematic, and as with any algorithm, um, it kept improving uh, across time. So um, now, I think right now we are at a point where the algorithm is uh, intelligent enough, smart enough to identify what kind of information, what kind of content is relevant uh, at the moment, and what kind of uh, which kind of content is not. Okay, so uh, moving forward on May twenty sixteen. Uh, they changed the look. 
uh, of Instagram ditching the, the old uh, Polaroid-like uh, camera icon with the new one, which uh, just as, uh, as a reminder, you can go back to that icon uh, if you want the vintage icon of Instagram by going to the settings. I'm going to uh, leave how can you do it that just for this month as the anniversary month for Instagram uh, in the show notes. On August 2016, uh, they introduced Instagram Stories. So this was a takeaway, uh, or, or or Instagram take, sorry, about uh, Snapchat feature features. Okay, so a lot of uh, um, I don't know if if it was resistant to change, but at the end of the day, it served the purpose. I mean, Instagram took over what the the ephemeral part of the content that Snapchat was leveraging on, okay, and has proven to be very successful for them. So on November 2016, they launched the live streaming act, uh, feature, which was like, I mean, at the, at the beginning, it was interesting because the, it was only available for 24 hours after they introduced uh, on June 2018 IGTV, now you are able to store your live streaming uh, as an IGTV post. Uh, but for two years, almost two years, uh, all the live streaming was ephemeral. So once again, they were trying to leverage, in, uh, to leverage on uh, one of the features that were responsible for the, the success of uh, a platform like Snapchat. And well, moving forward, right until July 2020, and they launched Reels, which was Instagram uh, take on uh, TikTok's feature. So what will the future hold to Instagram? I mean, obviously, Instagram has demonstrated that it's capable of adapting to new times to keep adding feature, even if they're copycatting uh, some other companies or some other platforms. They managed to leverage on the amount of users that they have, their community, which is very engaged with a very friendly app. Uh, and I think it they have, uh, I don't know if they have succeeded, but they have proved that they, I mean, they can keep up with the change. So what will happen in the 10, I mean, maybe 10 years from now, we are not going to be talking about Instagram anymore. Oh, or maybe we are, maybe Instagram is going to shift into something new because this brings us to uh, the second uh, the second headline uh, for today's episode and it has to do with Instagram adding the shopping capabilities or features into IGTV. They added, they are adding that into IGTV and they plan to release it also on Reels uh, very soon. And this is the, uh, the bed of Instagram into going in um, after the social commerce market, okay? So this is something that some Asian uh, platforms like Redbook uh, has nailed uh, in China for that matter, where videos have become the perfect vehicle for selling products, especially when they manage to link brands with influencers and a huge community inside one, uh, one platform. Uh, it ha I mean, they ha it has been demonstrated that uh, th that works um, very, very well. Uh, they want to focus on social video shopping as a great way to connect with customers. I don't know if, I mean, 
imagine if this is the comeback of infomercials. I mean, if you are watching a video and instead of saying, call now because we have limited quantities, you just have to swipe up or you just have to click on the, on the, on the, on the link in the video description, in the live stream and whatever. Uh, that would be really, really, uh, well, interesting at least. Um, so according to eMarketer, China's social commerce industry will surpass 240 billion US dollars in 2020. Uh, in comparison, the US social commerce market accounts for market size accounts for 23 billion. So obviously a huge opportunity in the US and probably one of the things that Facebook uh, wants to do is to uh, take over or take advantage of being the first there. Uh, instead of uh, a, an Asian competitor, like I don't know, like TikTok, right? So another, uh, some other data that is interesting from, from eMarketer, you will have the link to the, to the article in the show notes, is that 18% uh, of uh, people surveyed in the U.S. have purchased something from social media on Facebook. I mean, from this is 18% of social media users, 11% on Instagram, and one4 percent on TikTok. So we have a lot, I mean, we have a long run, uh, a long road here uh, ahead of us. Uh, but I think this just pose, poses how huge of an opportunity we have as marketers to, to leverage on that uh, unexploited market. So uh, keep an eye on uh, Pinterest uh, AR shopping capabilities because that could make uh, huge news in the, in the near future. And also TikTok's partnership with Walmart to uh, become uh, maybe a household um, online retailer in in the US. So just to keep talking about uh, online shopping, let's go, let's move to the third headline today, which is uh, YouTube is getting on, is betting on becoming a destination for online shopping. So what they want to do, uh, they, ha they have been testing a, an integration with Shopify with select channels. Uh, creators will have control onto what products are going to be shown to their audience. Uh, and what they want to do is, I mean, they want to compete with main players like Amazon and Alibaba. They want to leverage on the amount of users they have coming into the platform every day uh, just to, well, to exploit that video commerce that uh, is not being exploited. Google, I mean, is one of the tech giants that have missed the e-commerce revolution COVID has uh, ignited. So probably this is going to be the response to it, okay? So it's not a coincidence that Facebook and Google are figuring out how to grab onto uh, the, this novel, I mean, what in the Western hemisphere, at least will be a novelty into going through video commerce okay so let's keep an eye on that because that could pose huge opportunities for marketers and brands to connect with customers and last but not least uh and the, the last headline for today's episode is is about uh video streaming platform pluto tv which is launching in spain this fall actually it's going to launch i think in the third week of october so this is, I don't know if you know it, but this is a video on demand platform that is owned by Viacom CBS uh, in the, I mean, it's, it's an American company. Um, it's 
adding another European country. Actually, they serve, uh, right now they serve to the US, some countries in Latin America, Canada, the UK, and a few countries in, 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 the, in Europe. Here in Spain, they're targeting, they're partnering with Movistar Plus to take care of the advertisement, advertising aspect of, of their business. Uh, they will have local productions as well as international ones. And one of the things is that maybe this could be a shake to the video streaming market here in Spain, which is fairly young, fairly young if, you, if you compare it with uh, Latin America or, of course, uh, the U.S. market, uh, even comparing in comparison with some other European markets. Uh, but obviously, I mean, this is a, it's going to be a, fr a service that is going to be free, free to use because it's ad supported. Um, and I don't know, this could be interesting into how the, the video streaming uh, feel gets uh, shift here in Spain. So with all these headlines, um, let's move into today's top story. Today's top story has to do with holiday season. 2020. Okay. So we know COVID has impacted businesses across the world. It has impacted how people live their life in many, many places. It has impacted even uh, how people think about uh, spending money and saving money. Uh, but looking into the imminent future uh, as marketers, uh, this raises a, a question. I mean, how is this situation uh, going to impact the 2020 holiday season? Uh, if it will at, at all. Uh, so let's talk about or let's run through some uh, considerations and some things that we have to keep in mind. So a lot of people are going to be subject to stay-at-home orders, okay? So uh, in many different, I mean, in Europe, in the U.S., in different cities, you, you in, these, in different states, you have uh, restrictions for, for citizens to get out of of their homes and recommendations to stay in home to reduce the amount of people they they gather with and this could put the ropo effect to the max the ropo effect research online purchase offline uh, maybe we are going to see a switch as i mean a, a change into how this uh, effect uh, showcase uh, the strength of the e-commerce or the or the strength of businesses that has uh, their e-commerce up to date. So these, when mixed with uh, the fact that some stores may be closed because of the same restrictions, poses a risk, not a risk, but poses some questions regarding product availability and stock brokerage. Because what happens if you are not able to have the products available for your customers. What happens if you don't have uh, enough stock for uh, fulfilling all, all your orders? So this has a lot of, imp I mean, impact on, on logistics, uh, not only on, on shipping timings, but also on temporary hires. I mean, UPS, FedEx, uh, and many other logistic companies across the, the, the world uh, has announced that they are going to hire temporary uh, employees for fulfilling and to being able to fulfill with all the order for the holiday seasons. But one thing that you have to keep in mind, I mean, the supply, the supply chain response has to keep up with the demand. And some of the things that some companies are even expecting is that uh, the shopping uh, season is going to start early. Kantar, 
uh, predicts that a lot of people are going to start their shopping, uh, holiday shopping uh, early this year. And that brings another question uh, to the table, which is, are going, I mean, sales, offers, and promotions, should we move them, uh, I mean, like bring them earlier also? It would all depends on how you, your business is going to be moving, okay? But nevertheless, also we are going to be dealing with what Cantor uh, named as regionality issues, okay? So we will have a lot of people that are not going to be moving across countries or even moving across cities because of some restrictions. Or maybe even if there are not restrictions, just by following recommendations because people, some people are afraid about the, the virus. And this will impact many, many uh, key holiday and pre-holiday uh, events that for marketers are uh, very important, especially on the Western Hemisphere, uh, like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Thanksgiving in the U.S., Christmas, New Year's Eve. And it has to do a lot with also how the air traffic is going to be changing, uh, availability of, of tickets, and how the borders closures uh, deal. I mean... If you look at the amount of countries that are allowed into, I don't know, into uh, the European Union or into the in and out of the U.S. or in and out of specific markets, uh, it makes it very difficult to understand or to predict at least how uh, the external and not necessarily from tourism, because if you think about uh, internal traffic in the U.S. or even inside the, the Schengen zone here in, 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 in Europe, uh, you have people that is not, I mean, maybe they are from Germany, but they live in France or, and they go back to Germany to spend uh, holidays with uh, their loved ones. Maybe this year they will not do that. And this is going to impact also uh, some traditions and customs from, from people, okay? So again, another thing that we have to think about is uh, how have the budget change. Uh, a lot of, I mean, we know that this situation has impacted a lot of uh, families uh, economically. Uh, many people lost their jobs. Some of them have uh, reduced their incomes and we have to keep that in mind. Okay. So pro, I, I, we, it, it, it's very hard to predict is if it's going to be uh, a, season, a shopping season that is going to have uh, the revenues impacted directly. But uh, it's a, I mean, it's a fair um, question to ask or th thing to keep in mind. I mean, people can be uh, willing to spend less than previous year just because of the uncertainty, okay? So I just want to uh, highlight some uh, data from Maureen Consult. Uh, they have a very, very interesting article on uh, the shopping season of 2020. And they surveyed... Uh, some people in the U.S. Uh, for uh, if they are going to celebrate specific holidays in 2020. So 85% said they were keep going to celebrate uh, Christmas uh, compared with 79 that were going to celebrate Thanksgiving, only 51 New Year's Eve, 45% uh, New Year's Day, and 42% Halloween. So uh, Halloween, obviously, being the the more the I mean the, the more imminent uh, holiday, uh, is more impacted because of uh, things that I mean because 
things are very uncertain. Maybe for uh, Christmas, things may change. But it's very interesting that for New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, half of the people surveyed uh, are thinking they are not going to have that um uh, uh, or they are not going to celebrate that as they used to. So uh, just things to keep in mind, okay? The, the the behavior of the consumer is changing and is changing at a different pace uh, inside the U.S. and between countries. In, in some countries, even in, in Europe, uh, inside the countries, depending on, on the region, uh, because the different policies impact the way people can do business and how companies can tackle uh, the situation of the COVID. So we have to keep an eye open and we have to be, I, again, I think the best things to be, the best, the best thing to be today and with this situation is being creative. Think ahead of time. Uh, keep uh, go, being ahead of the curve so that whenever things go south, you can uh, bring some solutions that may be fit and to, I mean, be a workaround for uh, the current situation, which is in some cases may be dreadful. But also, there's always a, an opportunity window. So that brings us to uh, the reflections of today's episode, which, um, as always, I'm going to give you, I leave with you one or two uh, reflections. Uh, please uh, let me know send me a voice message on Anchor or connect with me on any social platforms. Um, let me know what you think about this. So the first one is, uh, moving toward a, are, are we moving toward an even less physical retail experience? So we had companies like Amazon, uh, an online retailer, if you may, that it's planning to move towards the physical experience, uh, having the Amazon Go and so forth. Um shopping experience, purchasing or acquiring Whole Foods and all this stuff. So my question is, will younger generations miss something they did not truly experience? I mean, I, for example, I love going into uh, book uh, uh, bookshops, right? Like, I don't know, like Barnes and Nobles, for example. The experience is great. I Me, personally, I'm more of an audiobook kind of guy than reading the book, but the experience of going into a place that it's very quiet, uh, the smell of coffee being roasted, coffee beans being roasted. And uh, I mean, that kind of experience, even if I'm not, um, if I was not a common customer there, I was used to that kind of experience. And I think I kind of value that. So what happens when you have a, a generation that have been dealing with less and less of a physical experience from the retail point of view? Uh, how is this going to impact them? I mean, you cannot um, miss something that uh, you didn't experience, right? So, and the next one is uh, when, when we're confronting uncertainty, like the one with the COVID, um, and what is going to happen on this holiday season this year, what do you think makes the best strategy? I mean, you have been prepared in advance, okay, having a robust digital business strategy in this case uh, to be prepared. I don't know, you can think about companies and especially small, maybe some entrepreneurs and small companies having uh, some getaways like on Etsy, Wallapop here in Spain, Amazon, you name it, or their own website and e-commerce. Or not having that, but being able to uh, shift gears 
uh, rapidly whenever things go south. Uh, I don't know, maybe think about Instagram with, uh, I mean, we're going to bet everything on uh, on shopping experiences in IGTV, Unreals, etc. Or think about how IKEA managed to uh, prepare and change the way, the traditional way they did business by uh, just uh, igniting the revolution on the e-commerce side of their business. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about uh, connect with me or leave me a voice message on Anchor? Um, you can find me on at Alberto Limpira or at Nausea Marketer on any social media platform. So uh, on the next episode, I'm going to uh, talk about how brands and company are leveraging on marketing analytics and what the future beholds for marketers when the when when it poses a different scenario for gathering third-party data. I don't know if you are aware of that, but we are going into a cookie-less future in web browsers. So how are we going to manage not having that third-party data? We are going to rely a lot on first-party data or first-hand data, which is going to be, I mean, it poses an opportunity for Pieces, but it also uh, it poses a risk for the ones gathering the most information, aka tech giants. Okay, so we have to be uh, clear about what the future beholds for us, and also here again, creativity I think is going to be key for uh, being prepared uh, for um, to tackle all the issues and all the the difficulties we we may have. Okay. So thank you much for listening and joining me in this, in this second episode. Please feel free to send me your comments, uh, questions on the comment section. If you like it, the, the, the episode and you like the, podca the podcast, uh, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite, favorite podcast service provider. Uh, that helps me a lot to be discovered by new people for a new potential audience. So that's it for today. Uh, see you uh, two weeks from now. So Lampy out.